little video that's ready to go? There we go. Yeah, thumbs up. Let's, let's watch this video. That's really what Christmas is all about, and that's why we're here worshiping the Lord this morning. Let's have a word of prayer as we enter into his word and allow it to feed our souls. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your word. Thank you for the fact that you are God who is at work. and You are working in our lives, you're working in this world, and you are an amazing God. And there's no greater indication of you being at work than the story of Christmas. So Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to leave our series on ordinary superheroes of the Old Testament and talk about Christmas and the amazing God that came as a little baby boy in Bethlehem. You know, it's just a wonder to realize that this is the plan that God had to save the world. What an amazing way to save the world. Through the giving of a little baby boy in Bethlehem. Small town outside of Jerusalem, yet prophesied by Micah hundreds of years earlier that the Messiah would come in a little town called Bethlehem. And I'm always a little bit perturbed when I see anyone stealing the show in Christmas, right? Like if I, I wonder sometimes if I ask a hundred children, who is the hero of Christmas? What would the answer be? Yeah, probably, right? That's so sad. I, I get a little perturbed. That's why I had, have to admit that I had a little bit of a joyful chuckle when I saw this picture. I, I have to admit that brought a little bit of joy to me when I saw this picture of an airplane uh, with Santa on the front. See, anything that steals the attention from, from Jesus, I, I'm, I'm bothered by And that's why, as people who follow Christ, 
we want to make sure that we are putting Jesus at the very center of our Christmas time and our Christmas story. The bottom line today is this. Christmas reminds us of the sovereignty of God. That God is sovereign. He's in control. We should never doubt that. Now, uh, we know there's going to be trouble in this world. Jesus told us that. We know there will be tribulation in this world. Jesus told us that. We shouldn't be surprised, Peter says, at the fiery trial that comes our way. We live in a world that's in rebellion against God and His plan. But our God is still sovereign. He permits things to happen. He decrees things to happen. But He is in control. Nothing happens without His permission. Sometimes He allows people to sin. It's not that He causes that. He permits it. He's sovereign in everything. We shouldn't doubt the fact that God is in control. I'd like you to turn your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 2. Let me read the rest of that uh, bottom line. God wants us to live by faith and to trust Him as He works out His plan in His time because it's His story, right? It's history. It's His story. God's working out His plan. He's doing it in His time. And He's doing it His way. And if we turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, very familiar passage, but we need to read it and look at it for Christmas. Because this is the little baby that changed our lives. This little baby changed our eternities. You know, I, I don't know, I was just thinking about this uh, this past week. How over the years, uh, Christmas has become sweeter to me. It's become more special to me. Because over the years, as you have a relationship with Christ, that relationship deepens and becomes more special in your life. And I, I hope you sense that. I hope your love for the Lord is deepening. I hope your conviction about the things of the Lord is becoming a deeper conviction in your life. And that, that's what really Christmas opens up for us. The opportunity to know our Savior, to live for Him, to be a person that's committed to Christ, to be a church that's committed to Christ, not to compromise the message. We teach the Word unapologetically. We don't apologize about the Word of God. It's an amazing gift that we have. And Luke chapter 2 tells us about Jesus, right? The most important person that ever lived on the planet. No doubt about it. No one even comes close. No one like him. He's unique in all of history. Luke chapter 2 verse 1. Here it says, In those decrees, a day, sorry, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered for taxation purposes, right? This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Let me stop right there. Some people have said, oh, an error in the Bible. There's a mistake in the Bible. I found one. But it just shows the ignorance of people's understanding of the word of God. Because when it says that they went up, right? Joseph also, verse 4, went up from Galilee. People say, Galilee's in the north of Israel. Why does the Bible say he went up to Judea? Well, 
he, he's traveling south. He should have, the Bible should say he went down from Judea. See, that's uh, ignorance of the land of Israel. Judea and Jerusalem, they're on mountains. Jerusalem is at an elevation of 2,500 feet. So in Israel, when you go to Jerusalem and you go to Judea, if you're traveling from Galilee, you go up to Judea. It shows the exact precision of Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke. You're going up because you're climbing in elevation to go to Judea. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Right away, you're reminded of the fact that, oh right, the Messiah must be born of the lineage of David. Oh, that's right. This is another prophecy that's coming to pass. That Jesus must be of the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Right? This is a, a beautiful story of a young couple in love. They were engaged to be married. Betrothal is actually a legal term in the Jewish system. It's a contract between two families that should not be broken. They were betrothed to one another. And she was with child. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time gave came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Here's the first thing I want you to remember. Remember that God is at work in all circumstances. God is at work in all circumstances. Even in a difficult circumstance like this. Think about it. Especially men. If you were engaged to a woman, or if you were married to a woman and she was nine months pregnant, the last thing you would want to do is take a 65-mile trip from Galilee down to Jerusalem. This woman who's pregnant, about to give birth, a 65-mile journey. But here's the reality. The Bible said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Satan probably thought, oh man, I have Mary exactly where I want her. I want her in Galilee. If the baby's born in Galilee, then the prophecy isn't fulfilled. And Jesus cannot be the Messiah. But here's the amazing thing. Now God could, uh, that's what I love about the story of, of Bethlehem and, and, and the whole Christmas account. God could have easily appeared to Mary and Joseph and said, Hey, Joseph, Mary, you need to go down to Bethlehem. I know it's uh, late in the pregnancy, but you need to travel down to Bethlehem. An angel could have appeared to them and told them that. But that's not how God worked it out. You have to understand there's a reason behind that. God caused the most powerful man on earth, Caesar Augustus, to issue a decree. Now, it was all about generating more revenue for Rome. If you know about Caesar Augustus, he was really the first true emperor of the Roman Empire. He came to power in 63 BC. He was the great nephew of Julius Caesar. And when Julius Caesar was murdered, he had already picked Caesar Augustus to be his successor. And Caesar Augustus would be the first true emperor of Rome. In fact, he initiated what we now know as the Pax Romana, a 200-year period of relative peace in the Roman Empire. He was a powerful emperor, the most powerful man on earth. The Roman Empire expanded under his reign. But God caused an emperor in Rome 
to issue a decree that would force Joseph and Mary to go down to Bethlehem and register in the town of Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy that was made by Micah hundreds of years earlier, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. See, God's in control. And in my heart, I see this as an indication of God reminding us that He is always at work in all circumstances. Even a difficult trip, 65 miles for a pregnant young teenager to go down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. God is at work. God is at work. And I'm not sure what kind of difficult circumstances you're going through today. I'm not sure what you're struggling. We all have them, right? We all have those moments in our lives that are difficult and they're a struggle. But we need to know that God is at work. God caused this emperor to issue a decree that would force Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that must be fulfilled. The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. You know, I I think of faith, I define it this way. Faith is trusting and obeying God. No matter what the circumstances, because God is in control and promises a good result. We all know, right, that it's easy to follow God when things are going our way. It's easy to follow God when we're getting everything that we want. But faith says this, God, I will trust you and I will obey you. No matter what the circumstances are in my life, I'm not just going to follow you when it's good. I'm not just going to follow you when things are going my way and and you're blessing me beyond what I deserve. But God, I want to trust and obey you in the difficult circumstances because I know that you're in control. And here's the best part of it all, that God promises a good result It may not be in the moment that you want to see it. It may be years afterwards. It may not be fully understood until we step into eternity. But God promises to work all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So, husbands and wives today, single folks here today, whatever trial you're going through, whatever circumstances you're experiencing, Trust and obey God because God is at work in all circumstances. He doesn't directly cause all circumstances. Like I said before, he permits evil things to happen at times in this world. He gives the world over to its evil. Romans 1 says that clearly. But God is at work in all circumstances. We're to trust and obey him. John 1.14, we just read it, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This awesome baby boy, the creator of the universe, emptied himself like it says in Philippians chapter 2. It's known as the kenosis passage. Uh, the, The Greek word kenosis means emptied, that somehow Jesus emptied himself, fully God, in flesh, fully God, but he emptied himself. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love the word dwelt there. It's the word eskineson. And the word eskineson is the Greek word that was used in the Septuagint when describing the tabernacle of the Old Testament. 
And it's the word used here in John 1.14. Jesus tabernacled among us. He lived among us. A picture, if you will, of the tabernacle in the midst of the people of Israel. That God was dwelling with his people. Eskidosen connects that passage in the Greek, if you will, with the Septuagint. Talking about God dwelling with his people in the tabernacle. And wherever the tabernacle went, wherever that pillar of fire went, the people would camp around the tabernacle. A beautiful picture of God with us. And the double entendre of that, right? Not only is he with us physically, but he's for us. He's with us. He's on our side. He wants the best for us. And the Christmas story is not an easy story. God steps in and changes the plans of this young couple, right? As a pastor, I do a lot of weddings. And I have to tell you, one of my greatest fears is to really make a mistake at a wedding, right? To call the groom by the last, wrong last name or first name, or the bride to call the bride by the wrong name, or to say at the end, Mr. and Mrs., and somehow mess up their name. Because every couple wants their wedding to be perfect, They want it to be perfect, no mistakes. And you've probably been at weddings where a bride or a groom has fainted. I have. Unfortunately, I wasn't doing that one. But the bride fainted right at the altar of a wedding that I was attending. So I told my wife, thank you, Lord, that I'm not doing that wedding. (laughs) Every bride wants their wedding to be perfect. And here's this beautiful love story of Joseph and Mary engaged to one another, and God steps in and says that you will have a child given to you by the Holy Spirit. Gabriel gives that amazing message. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and a baby will be conceived in you. Now that changes the wedding plans, doesn't it? It changes the way the wedding is going to be done. It's going to be a shock to the family. You can imagine sharing that to Joseph, what that must have been like, and how difficult it must have been for Mary to say, I'm pregnant and God did this to me. How difficult that must have been. How hard that must have been. And then for Mary to stand in front of both families and give that message that she's pregnant miraculously. A message probably not received by the family. In fact, they were probably furious with the fact that she would even imply that somehow God did this to her. That she wasn't unfaithful to Joseph. But fortunately, as you know the story, Joseph received that message from the angel saying that this truly was of God. But their plans had changed. This would be difficult for them. This would be an embarrassment for them, not only with their family, but in the town of Nazareth. Joseph and Mary had built a good reputation. In fact, uh, the Bible even says that Mary had found favor with God. She was a godly young woman. But their reputations now would be amazingly damaged by the fact that she was pregnant. But I love the words of Mary when she responds to the angel. I am the Lord's servant. Do unto me as you will. I am the Lord's servant. Trust and obey God no matter what the circumstances. I love what it says in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways 
Your ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There will be times, and I I felt it too, times when you will be confused. God, what is your plan here? God, is this really the best way to work this out? But we're to trust and obey God. And Christmas reminds us of that. The need for us to trust and obey God. Here's our growth edge, I believe, for this point. Follow God, knowing that He plans to work all things together for good. My growth edge is to follow God in all circumstances. Not just the good times, but the difficult times. Just like Mary and Joseph. Hey, Lord, I'm your servant. Do unto me as you will. I love the words of Job. Even though God would slay me, yet will I serve him. Wow. That's an awesome faith, isn't it? God, even if you would kill me, if you would slay me right now, I'll serve you. I'll serve you. See, God's going to work all things together for good. And in the moment of the storm, in the midst of the trial, it's hard to imagine But our faith has to be a faith that says, Lord, I trust and obey you because you're going to work all things together for good. Here's the second thing I see in this text is this. God is at work using all kinds of people. We've talked about this in our series on the Old Testament. God is at work using all kinds of people. I love that. That that he can use people that are frail and fragile and sinful and often blow it. But he can use those people in his plan as part of his overall purpose of accomplishing what he desires. In fact, I think he longs for us to enter in so we can experience the joy of doing his work. That's why we're called the body of Christ, right? Because God wants all of us entering into the work of God. God wants all of us doing our part. God wants all of us to say, yeah, with God's help, I was part of that. In spite of my frailties... In spite of my shortcomings, in spite of my past, God could somehow use me to be part of his work. See, here are some of the amazing Christmas characters of of Luke chapter 2. There's more that will come. But uh, some of the amazing characters. We talked about Caesar Augustus already, the most powerful person on earth. Mary, this teenage girl, probably in her mid-teen years that had this amazing servant's heart that was okay with changing her wedding plans. She was okay with the embarrassment of being pregnant outside of marriage. In fact, Jesus would later be referred to as an illegitimate son. The implication of of this whole event. Joseph, a carpenter from Nazareth that God would use who would continue to marry this young woman and be part of God's plan. We're going to read about the shepherds in just a second, how God chose to announce the message to shepherds. Look at your Bibles. Luke chapter 2 again. Of all the groups of people in the world, God chose to announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. Yeah, we get that. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. 
The word there in the Greek is euangelion. It's two Greek words pushed together. EU is the Greek word for good, and gelion is the Greek word for message. It's where we get the word evangelism from. Euangelion. It's where we get the word evangelical from. Euangelion. Good news. This is good news. That's why evangelism is all about sharing good news with people. He says this, I have an euangelion for you. I have good news for you. And he says this, the angel says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those are three amazing titles, aren't they? A a Savior. Uh, God didn't send uh, a politician. God didn't send uh, a businessman. God didn't send an entertainer. God sent a Savior who is Christ, the Greek word for Messiah, the Lord. Wow, the deity of Christ right there. This is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. How much is a multitude? We don't know. My guess is thousands of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Think about this. God chose shepherds to announce the birth of Christ. We probably know it. We've heard the story. We we know about the message that came to the shepherds at night. But there's a reason why God did this. He wanted the world to know if it's a message that he could give to shepherds, then this is a message for everyone. Everyone equal in God's eyes. This message is for all that lived on the earth. It's amazing news. And God uses all these people to bring together a fascinating account of the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, I think about Mary and her availability. I I realize that there are times when we have unavailable hearts, right? Mary became a hero because she said, Lord, here am I. I want to be one of those people that are part of this story, if that is your will. And he does an amazing work in Mary's life. But sometimes people are saying, you know what, Lord, I I don't want to be used by you. I don't want to be available. And, And here's some of the sounds of the unavailable person. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. God, God, yeah, I can't make a difference. It's always been this way, and it always will be that way. Here's another statement of the unavailable. You can't change that. That that, that. that won't change. No one can change that. That's the words of an unavailable person. Do you realize how hard that would be to do something like that for God? God, do you know how many people that would take to accomplish that work for you? God, that's not my job. Let somebody else do it. Let somebody else do it. But what I love about this story is 
Mary has an available heart. Joseph finally understands God's plan and becomes this amazing servant of God. The shepherds do exactly what the angels tell them to do. They go and find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And they share that with Mary, and Mary treasures this in her heart, all part of the entire story of the uniqueness of this awesome baby, Jesus. See, here are the sounds of the available. Hey, that shouldn't be that way, and I plan to help. Here's another way an available person will talk. I have a gift, and I need to use it, and I'm taking the initiative to serve God. I have a gift. I want to be part of the work of God. I want to have an available heart. There's a real need, and I will take steps to see if God is calling me to meet that need. Then I'm not sure how, but I believe I can do something to join in and make a difference. See, God loves an available heart. God loves a person that says, Lord, Lord I want to be used by you. I want to be a person that's used by your power and your glory to make a difference. And you know, that's what Riverview Church seeks to do in everything. You know, we had a ladies' luncheon here yesterday, 160 ladies here. The whole purpose was to glorify Jesus. The whole purpose was to lift him up, to connect believers with one another. We have ministries scattered throughout the church that are doing that, all part of building God's kingdom, all for Jesus Christ, people using their gifts and abilities for Christ because they have an available heart. What makes the story of Christmas amazing is not only God in flesh, but people all around the birth of Christ available, wanting to be part of this amazing working of God because God is at work in an awesome way to bring about the coming of the Messiah. See, what is God asking you to do today? Are you willing to obey Maybe he's asking you to change your priorities. Maybe he's asking you to give him total control of every area of your life, keeping nothing back. God, I give you control of every area of my life, not holding anything back, even if it means a major change in my plans. God, I want to give you my life. Maybe he's asking you to take on a greater role in the church or in your family to be the leader God has called you to be. Maybe he's asking you to jump out of your comfort zone and do something that stretches you. Just like Peter who jumped out of the boat because God, Jesus, called him to walk on the water. And he did that. Now we know that what happened. He took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the storm and the waves around him and began to sink. But he jumped out of his comfort zone and walked by faith. And God sometimes wants us to do the same. To do something that may stretch us a bit. Because we have a heart of availability. See, our growth edge is this. Cultivate a servant's heart that is faithful and available. Hey God, I want to be a faithful servant. I want to be available. You have me where I'm at for a reason, and God does. Wherever you're at, whatever your task is, whatever your responsibilities are, whatever it may be, God has you there for a reason to live out his purpose. Here's point number three I see in the text. It's this. God is at work according to his schedule, not man's. God is at work according to his schedule, not man's. 
See, God brought about the coming of Christ at the fullness of time, Galatians says. At the very right moment, Jesus was born. The prophecies of the Old Testament, powerful evidence of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Think of Isaiah 7.14, a prophecy given 700 years before the birth of Christ. And this shall be a sign unto you. Right? There's going to be a sign given to you. The virgin shall conceive... And give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years before the birth of Christ. Just one of the many prophecies throughout the Old Testament. We looked at the very first prophecy at the beginning of our series on ordinary superheroes. That the seed of the woman would one day crush the head of the serpent. The first good news in all of creation. That God would bring about someone who would conquer sin and death. And he did it in his time. It had to come thousands of years later after that first prophecy. But God did it in his timing. And I know that's an important lesson for me to learn. Sometimes we want our problems solved now. Sometimes we want to understand exactly why God is doing what he's doing. And we want to understand it now. But God is working out his schedule according to his time. It's his schedule, not mine. The growth edge for me in all of this is this. Trust God even when his timing isn't necessarily yours. Hey God, I want to know the answer of why I'm going through this problem now. But the, but the answer doesn't come. That insight doesn't come. You don't fully understand why you're going through this difficult time. Trust God and his timing. Here's the fourth thing we need to understand. It's this. God is at work even when perplexing hardships come. You know, we all know the story of what happened after the birth of Christ. King Herod uh, uh, was encountered by, by wise men who had come from the east. And they told him of this star that announced the birth of Jesus. What was Herod's response? He decided to kill every baby boy under the age of two years old in the region of Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary were warned by an angel and they had to take Jesus and go to Egypt. Now they might have wondered, God, if this is the Messiah, why do we have to flee for our lives? If this is the birth of the one you've chosen... Why do we have to flee to Egypt? But God is at work. God's working out his plan. There's a purpose for everything. And Mary and Joseph might never have fully understood why it had to happen that way. But God was at work even when perplexing hardships come. Why does a young girl have to travel 65 miles when she's about to give birth? Was that really the best way to work out that plan? But see, it was all part of God telling us that even in hardships, He is at work to bring about something good. I love Romans 8, 31, 32. It says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things. If God's willing to give His Son to you, there's so much more to come. He won't withhold anything. When you step into heaven, you'll realize, wow, 
Getting Jesus was awesome and beyond anything I ever deserved. But then God adds all of this to it. As you step into eternity and see this awesome place beyond anything you could ever imagine. This awesome place that God has prepared for you. It's awesome. Our growth edge in this point is this. Seek what God wants to do in you or through you during times of struggle. That in these hardships that come, God, I may not understand why this is happening, but God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to grow up in me? What is the attitude that needs to be strengthened in me? What's the sin that needs to be removed? How can I strengthen my faith and lessen my doubt as we grow in our walk with the Lord? And here's the last point as we close today. It's this. God is at work in line with his big picture and greater purposes. I love what Mary says. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me as you will. Hey, this is not going to be easy for me. And this will be a stigma I will carry with me the rest of my life that I gave birth to an illegitimate child. But ultimately, I believe Mary in her heart knew it wasn't about her. It wasn't about her reputation. It was about bringing about the Messiah in a miraculous way. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin in Bethlehem. It was God's greater purpose. Part of something much bigger than any one person. And I know sometimes in our lives we want to put ourselves at the center of our universe. Thinking life is all about me and my dreams and my desires. But we ought to get rid of that. There's nothing wrong with having dreams and goals and, and personal desires. But if God steps in and changes our plan, and we need to realize somehow this is part of God's greater purpose, a bigger picture that I don't fully see yet. But God, I will trust you and obey you through it all. See, in this Jesus, God brought to this earth someone who would be an amazing person of truth. Who would give us the way we ought to live. An amazing person of purpose. So we finally understand why we're here on this planet. What our purpose is in life. We have access through this little baby Jesus who came and dwelt among us and later died on the cross and the veil of the temple torn in two and the word encouraging us to enter into the presence of our Heavenly Father and cry out, Abba, Daddy. This awesome closeness we have with God. Yes, there's this awesome respect that we have for him as well. But we are called into the presence of the almighty God as one of his children so intimately that Jesus describes it as if we can say, Daddy, Daddy, Father, we have awesome access. And then ultimately the victory that this little baby would bring this one life in all of human history. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Gives us an amazing victory, my friends. That's why we're here every Sunday. Because this 
person, this baby in Bethlehem, has changed our lives. This baby in Bethlehem is the number one person in our lives. He's the priority of everything we do. He steps into our world and changes our attitude in the way we accomplish all of our tasks and all of our purposes on this planet. He becomes the Lord of our lives. He's the only one that deserves our worship. And that's why every day we lay down our lives on the altar and say, God, I want this day to be an act of living sacrifice for you. I want this day to be an act of worship. You know, I've had people say to me over the years as I've shared Christ with people. They've said to me, Mel, you're taking your faith way too seriously. You're taking it way too seriously, man. Just let Jesus be this little compartment in your life and do your own thing the rest of the week. But let Jesus, yeah, he can be in your life, but you're taking it way too seriously. My thought is, not at all. I'm not taking it seriously enough. I'm not allowing it to impact all of these nooks and crannies in my life enough. Because if Jesus, this little baby born in Bethlehem, is truly the God of this universe, then my desire ought to be, God, every part of who I am belongs to you. You've given me the victory and all my life is an act of worship to you. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together this morning. And as your hearts are bowed today, please don't put Jesus in a little compartment in your life. He's the Lord of your life. He is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And as we move forward as a church, we move forward by the power of God. Our desire is to lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to myself. My prayer would be every one of you knows Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you've placed your faith and trust in Him, that you know, like these amazing characters of Luke chapter 2, that you know that He is a God worthy of our worship today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing this song. Jesus Messiah Name above all names Blessed Amen. But we have elders up front who love to pray with you. Please greet one another and live this week. All for Him. God bless you. See you on the patio. Let's do one